everyone, I'm Tony Shackle, pastor of Farm Hill Church. Our mission is knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. We're so glad that you've tuned into this sermon podcast today. We believe that the message that you're about to hear is going to bless your soul. Be sure to check out the many other sermon and worship service podcasts we have available for you. You can also find additional resources and information about our church by visiting our website at farmhillchurch.faithlifesites.com or look us up on Facebook. Or better yet, make plans to join us during one of our upcoming live services. We meet for worship every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and for Bible study every Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. Now let's get right into today's message. We spent a lot of time talking about the end times, about the rapture, about the second coming of Christ, uh, about the Antichrist uh, agenda that's coming on the scene. And uh, this morning I want to kind of uh, shift gears a little bit today. And uh, uh, the title of this message this morning is Take Heed Lest You Fall. Take Heed Lest You Fall. I mean, has anybody ever been roller skating? Anybody been roller skating recently? Okay, no tears. So back in the day, let me just tell you, back in the day, mom can attest to this. I wasn't the best in the world, but I was a pretty good roller skater when I was a, a wee little thing. Uh, and I don't remember exactly where we went. We went to, ro- to a skate rink somewhere right here uh, in town or something. I don't remember. And uh, she would take me as I was a, a young boy, and uh, different ones would have birthday parties or whatever. But uh, I had a good time, amen, doing that. And uh, I didn't have any issues, man. I'd lace them skates on. I'd just stand up and take off, man, do the backwards thing or, you know, all the stuff, right? problem is I tried to do that here several years ago and I laced up those roller skates and I tried my best to stand up and I realized I needed to stay seated just a little bit longer before I got up. I don't know what happened between the time I was little (laughs) and now but uh, I can tell you one thing that happened is I got a little more top heavy. Amen? And so it took me a while to get up on those skates Uh, And to even get the confidence to stand up, of course, I'm holding on. They got the wall around the side, you know, you can hold on to for a while. uh, And you're sitting there and you're trying not to, you're you're like, yeah, I'm good. I got this. And then you get to the end of the wall and you have nothing else to hold on to anymore for this long straightaway, right? And uh, and, uh, so you've just got to eventually take off on your own. And, uh, I mean, I don't know what I look like, but I probably look pretty terrible, probably like an oiled-up duck on a, on a frozen pond trying to walk around. I don't know what I look like, but it, I slipped and almost fell. I don't know how many times I did fall a couple times. Um, but, you know, it's just a reminder for us this morning that, uh, you know, in life, I mean, sometimes we can, uh, we can have uh, moments and times where uh, we fall and things change in our life and uh, maybe things aren't the same that they used to be. And uh, uh, it was just a reminder for me this morning that uh, the scripture that we're going to talk about in 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, if you have your Bibles and want to turn there uh, with me this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, we're going to focus in on verse verse number 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 12. Amen. Word of God says, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. That's a short verse, but it's packed with a lot of information. Amen. This morning. First of all, Paul gives us uh, somewhat of a sobering warning, if you will, Um, to the church uh, at Corinth. He's writing to a particular church there, uh, the Corinthians. um, But it's also, of course, written to us this morning. But he gives this sobering warning to the church at Corinth, and he says, amen, to uh, those that think he stands. Those that think they stand. See, there's a problem. When I, when I laced those skates on for that, uh, uh, you know, down the road and uh, from my childhood, and I'm now in adulthood, and I laced those skates on. See, I had in my mind, I had pictured in my mind that I was going to be this, you know, same confident, you know, just, you know, get out there, lace the skates on, and take off, I mean, around that rink. But it didn't happen that way. 
Amen. That, that confidence was shaken as soon as I tried to stand up, amen, on those skates. And, 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 and sometimes what Paul is saying here is that, you know, sometimes we can think we stand, you know, in our Christian walk, in our relationship with God, we can feel like everything is okay when it's not. We can feel like we're on firm, firm footing, amen, and we've got a solid foundation under us, amen, when we really don't. And it's not until sometimes we hit those, amen, trials of life when we have to lace the skates on uh, and actually try to get up and do something with it, amen, it's in those moments that we realize maybe sometimes, amen, we're not as strong as we think we are. Maybe sometimes we don't have the foundation maybe that we think that we do. Maybe sometimes it reveals to us, amen, that maybe there's some things going on in our lives, amen, that we need to take heed of. And that's the warning that he gives the church in Corinth here. He says, take heed. In other words, it's a warning to say, you need to open up your eyes. You need to discern the danger that is ahead of you. Now, it didn't take me long after I laced those skates on and I got up to realize I was in some potential danger because I'm further off the ground. My center of gravity is a lot higher than it used to be, and my head's a lot higher than it used to be when I was a kid. And so the danger of falling became greater. Amen. We don't, uh, we don't get over those things as well as we did when we were younger, right? Uh, and so I'm, think, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, what is going to happen? First of all, everybody, if I fall, everybody's going to laugh at me. All right, everybody's going to make fun. Ah, that's fine. I can handle that. I mean, but what is it going to, what's going to happen to me, right? If you fall and you get up and your hip bone's no longer collect, connected to your leg bone, anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you got problems, amen? And so Paul is saying here from a spiritual perspective, amen, you ought to understand if you fall, there are going to be consequences to that fall. There are going to be problems, there are going to be issues, there are going to be things that you have to deal with in the spiritual realm, in your relationship with God, if you allow yourself to fall and be damaged by those things. And so he says, take heed unless you fall, he says. So what does he mean by fall? So I got, I got to thinking about this. What does it mean to fall? I mean, we know what it means to fall in the natural. And I won't give you a demonstration this morning. <laughs> Don't worry about that. I didn't bring roller skates this morning to test it out. Although I could have tried to make a loop here, but wouldn't have turned out very well for any of us. Except you. Y'all would have had a good laugh. <laughs> What does it mean to fall from a, from a Christian perspective then? And so as, we, as we're here in 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, uh, excuse me, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter uh, number uh, 12, um, we're here in this, I'm sorry, 10. I'm going to get it right here in just a minute. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. Uh, as we back up to chapters number 8 and 9, amen, Paul is giving them uh, a, a, a a lesson, if you will, in what it means and in, in some of the areas that they could be uh, having some issues or problems. And so what he's really describing uh, here in chapter number 10 is Israel's falling or backsliding away from God because of some of the things that he talked about previously leading up to this. So he, he argues back in chapters number 8 and 9 I mean, for this, this concept of eating food that is sacrificed to idols. You understand back in that day, amen, they had all kind of gods in the, in the land and the areas that they lived in uh, and uh, in, the, in the land, in the area of Corinth uh, that he's writing to. I mean, even though there were Christians and people following God there, there were many people who were pagan that still had other uh, gods and other things that they worshiped. Uh, and sometimes when you would go about, amen, your day and you'd go to town, amen, they'd have food available that you could buy, but that food would have been sacrificed to a false god, to an idol. So the question came up, is it okay to eat that food that's sacrificed to an idol, or is it not? Should we avoid it? And so Paul says, well, here's the thing. You, if you understand and know you're a believer in Jesus Christ, and you know that that idol, that that God is not real, that there is no, no truth in that God, and you eat that food, and you bless it, and you give thanks to God for it, there is nothing wrong with that in general. But Paul says... If you're out and about around town and you go buy that food that's sacrificed to an idol and your buddy comes up and says, hey, buddy, what's going on, man? You say, nothing much, man, just bought some food. He goes, don't you realize that food sacrificed to idols? We shouldn't do that as Christians. Paul says if it causes your brother to stumble, 
you shouldn't do it. In other words, just because something is permissible doesn't mean that it is beneficial. Just because something is not a direct sin does not mean that it could not become a sin for you. In fact, this is what Paul says. He says, if you continue to do something that you know causes your brother or sister to stumble, and you continue in that thing, it is a sin for you. It becomes a sin, even though the thing itself is not a sin. So Paul is encouraging the Corinthians here to avoid anything that could cause somebody else to stumble in their faith. You know, it's just Christian love, brotherly love for one another, right? So let's look at what Paul says here in uh, the rest of chapter number 10. And I, I think I, I apologize. I think I told you all the wrong verse or the wrong chapter uh, a little bit earlier, but uh, we're going to get it straight, amen, this morning, amen, today. So uh, if, you're, uh, if you're with us, 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, we're going to walk through some of these verses uh, this morning and talk about what some of these things mean. So chapter 10, verse number 1, he says, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that, our, that all our fathers were under the cloud and passed through the sea, and all were I'm going to keep reading to verse number two. And all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. So what he's saying here, he said, first of all, I want you to understand what he's saying. He says, my brethren. So when he says, my brethren, he's not talking to just those that are outside the church. He's talking to us that are inside the church. My brethren, I don't, don't want you to be aware that our fathers, their ancestors, were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. In other words, he's referring back to the time of the Exodus. He's referring back to the time where God was with them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, uh, that God led them throughout the wilderness in their time there, that God had caused them to pass through the sea, uh, that he had parted those waters, and it was a miraculous way uh, for them to uh, exodus Egypt and get away from the armies of Pharaoh. Uh, and he says, I don't want you to be unaware. Don't forget, amen, that we were all under the cloud, and we all passed through the sea. Isn't it a wonderful thing, amen, to know and realize this morning that even though we don't see a physical manifestation of the cloud and the fire, and though God doesn't always part, amen, the Red Sea of the traffic that's in front of us on the highway, and we don't see those type of miraculous things necessarily, amen, on a daily basis, but isn't it wonderful to know that the Spirit of God and the presence of God is with us every single day of our lives. Uh, he, is, goes, he goes before us, the Bible says, Says, surely goodness and mercy come behind us the bible says uh, amen it is wonderful to know today that god's presence uh, amen is still with us amen and watches out over us wherever we go amen some of y'all testified amen to that this morning verses three and four says and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was christ not only did God watch out for them, not only did God make a way for them, but God provided for them all of their needs for 40 years in the wilderness while they were wandering around. You understand a wilderness is called a wilderness because, in this case, a desert, because there's nothing there. There's no food. There's very little or no water. Can you imagine wandering around in a barren place for 40 years and having to Make sure your family is taken care of, that they have adequate food and they have adequate water. Think about Moses as the leader of this group, which could have been as much as 2 million people, and trying to make sure all them, plus the herds and the flocks and all the animals, had plenty of water and plenty of food. God made a way that Moses didn't have to provide for that himself. The Bible says God himself provided their spiritual and physical food while they were in the wilderness. He sent manna from heaven. He sent quail at one point, the Bible says, was almost waist deep in some places. Enough that they ate and ate and ate and ate until they got sick of eating quail. God provided more than what they had need of. But he also provided, the Bible says, there was a couple places where Moses... Um, 
brings water, Moses and Aaron, bring water out of a rock. Paul says, I want you to understand something about that rock. That rock was not just some physical manifestation, just some, um, you know, they found some, you know, underground stream. It had nothing to do with something supernatural. He says, I want you to understand this was God. And that rock that followed them in the wilderness, and that rock that provided water for two million people, plus all the flocks and herds and all the other stuff that was going on, that rock was Christ. Can I tell you this morning that every spiritual need that you and I have, amen, everything that is going to satisfy your spiritual thirst and your spiritual hunger, everything that is going to bring to you uh, exactly what you have need of this morning, uh, amen, is not going to be found uh, in anything that you get, uh, amen, outside, uh, amen, it's not going to be found in politics, uh, it's not going to be found on the internet, uh, it is not going to be found in a bottle, it's not going to be found in a pack, uh, it's not going to be found in anything uh, it's not going to be found in any other relationship uh, than the relationship you have with jesus christ amen he is that spiritual rock but verse number five says but with most of them god was not well pleased for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness you know the story god said i'm going to cause you to wander around for 40 years and you're going to die in the wilderness you're not going to enter the promised land because of your unbelief. It's a sad story of what happened to them. And what Paul is using here is this example. We're going to see that in just a moment. This example of the Israelites and how they fell. How they failed to live up to the expectations that God had for them. How they failed, uh, failed to do what God had called them to do. And because of that, their bodies fell and were scattered in the wilderness. Now verse 6. Now when these things, now these things excuse me, became our examples to the intent that we should not lust, lust after evil things as they also lusted. So Paul says, guys, all of this that we read in the Old Testament, all of these stories that we read over and over and over again, and some of you that are on our Wednesday night Bible study and and uh, have gone through some of this, and you've read through it, and you say, why in the world are we reading this same story for the fifth time again, right? Uh, why do we have to go through all these things and read all this stuff? Paul says it's because it's an example for us. Sometimes examples are positive examples, right? There are people that we look up to. There are, there are situations that we go through. We say, well, that's a positive example. That's something I should emulate. That's something I should do. There's also negative examples, and that's what this is, <laughs> This is not a positive example. It's a negative example of what we should not do. And he says, It become our examples that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And so as Paul gets into this list, he's going to start listing out some things or some examples, amen, that are uh, some things that you and I should avoid and some things and some behaviors that you and I should make sure, amen, that we are not doing Amen. In our lives. Amen. And so if you look at uh, verse number seven, he says, And do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. That part there that is in quotations, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play, is a quotation from Exodus chapter number 32, verse number six. And if you remember, as Moses is up on the mountain of Mount Sinai, getting the two tablets of stone, which are going to be, become known as the Ten Commandments, Moses begins to come down, and those that are with him there, they start to hear a sound that's going on in the camp down at the base of the mountain. And, and uh, some said, man, that's the sound of war. And Moses says, no, 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 that's not the sound of war. That, that's the sound of rejoicing. That's the sound of partying. That's the sound, uh, the sound of, uh, of some kind of uh, jubilation going on down in the camp. As they get down there, they realize that old brother Aaron, who's the high priest, by the way, or is going to become the high priest, has been already uh, convinced by all the people that have come against him to say, we don't know what's happened to Moses. He's been 40 days and 40 nights up in the mountain. He might be dead for all we know. We're going to die out here in the wilderness, man. There ain't no food. There ain't no water. You brought us out here and our children are going to die. What are we going to do? 
Man, we got to go back to Egypt. We got to get back to that. I mean, we got to start worshiping those gods that were in Egypt because at least in Egypt we had food and water. We might have been under the under the rule of Pharaoh. We might have been slaves, but at least we had something to eat. Aaron had already gotten together all this gold and he threw it in the fire and and formed a golden calf and the people were worshiping this golden calf after they had just come through the parting of the red sea after they had seen the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night after they'd seen all the ten plagues that happened in egypt how quickly they fell and turned away from serving god and turned back to idolatry and that's the warning that Paul is giving here to the Corinthians and to us in verse number 7, is to avoid the trap, to avoid the sin of idolatry and worshiping anything that is not God. I don't know that there is anybody in here this morning that is tempted to go worship Buddha. I'm not. I hope you're not. Or Hare Krishna or Muhammad or any of those. So for us, maybe the warning is not so much false gods and false religions. But maybe for us, there are some things that have become idols in our lives. Maybe there are some things that we have allowed to become more important to us than our relationship with Him. We could list out all the things, and you know it. We talked about some of these on Wednesday nights, and uh, we talked about this, I think, a week or two ago, actually. Some of you held your cell phones up and said, this can be an idol. Amen. Your family can be an idol. Amen. Your, your job can be an idol. Um, your financial situation can be an idol. Uh, your hobbies or your, the things that you enjoy doing can become an idol in your life if we're not careful. And Paul is saying, be careful. Take heed unless you fall. And then in verse number 8, he says this, Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 thousand fell or were killed that episode's recorded in your bibles in numbers chapter number 25 in the first six verses of that chapter israel had committed fornication adultery whatever word you want to use um, by taking wives from the moabites from a surrounding nation marrying those wives having children with them uh, and by doing so, had allowed themselves to start worshiping the Moabite gods. So in other words, not only did they marry these women, but they also took up and started worshiping and serving their gods. As a result, if you remember back from reading through that, God sent fiery serpents and started biting the people. It was a plague that God sent, and those began to die. Aaron takes, um, and um, uh, actually, I'm sorry, Moses, I said Aaron, but Moses takes uh, a depiction of a fiery serpent, a bronze serpent, the Bible says, and he puts it up on a pole and he raises it up at the direction of God. And God said, whoever looks on this serpent will be healed from the plague that is on them. So in other words, if they got bit by a fiery serpent and they looked upon that bronze serpent that is hanging there on that pole, that they would be healed what in the world did that represent because that's such a strange story right how could looking at a bronze serpent we think of serpents as something evil right <laughs> something that represents satan something that represents him so what did this thing represent well can i tell you very plainly what that bronze serpent represented on that pole that those people looked toward was the cross of Jesus Christ, that one day the true Son of God was going to hang on the cross, die for our sins, and, if all, we, and all we have to do as, 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 as human beings, as sinners, is to come to Him, look to Him, look to the cross of Jesus Christ, uh, amen, put our faith and trust in Him, and the Bible says, uh, amen, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What a wonderful thing it is to know this morning, amen, that all we have to do is look to Jesus Christ, amen, and be saved and turn around. But these, amen, here, amen, died in the wilderness. There were some, amen, that lost their lives, because they gave in, amen, to this sin. They spoke against God. They complained. They murmured. 
He says, they were tempted, amen, in the wilderness. Verse number nine. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them tempted and were destroyed by the serpents. Verse number 10. Nor complain as some of them did. And that was a wasp. It's in my pocket. And I'm not sure where you went now. I'm good. I hope y'all are. He's, I hope he'll stay up here. We just banished him to the abyss, maybe. Or he's in my pocket. He's not in my pocket. Okay, we're good. Back to verse number 10. We'll delete that part out of the podcast. Don't worry. Verse number 10. Nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Uh, that episode is recorded in Numbers chapter number 16 at the end of that chapter. Uh, and many of them complained after uh, what is called Korah's rebellion. If you remember, this guy stood up and said, well, who do you think you are, Moses and Aaron? I mean, why can't we serve God in the same way that you serve him? Why can't we be in charge? Why can't we be the leader, amen, of what's going on? And God uh, did something different. The Bible says that the earth opened up and those people fell in and they were destroyed, amen, and that earth closed back up over them, amen, and uh, uh, destroyed them out of that place. But the Bible says after that, after Korah's rebellion, the people started complaining about what God had did, that God had destroyed these people. And so God sent a plague among the people, and this plague started going out. You can almost picture it like a wave or almost like a cloud or almost like a mist that started moving through the people, and the people started dying. And Aaron gets uh, a censer uh, and gets some of the uh, uh, fire that's off of the altar there. Uh, he puts it in that censer, and the Bible says he runs out in the middle of the people, and he stands between the dead and the living. So the dead are coming. I mean, that plague is moving. The people are dying. The living on this side, and they see it coming. He stands between the dead and the living, and he pleads out to God, and he says, please, God, amen, don't destroy this people. We are sorry for our sins. We're sorry for what we have done. And the Bible says God stopped the plague in that moment. But it wasn't until 14,000 people had fell and lost their lives in the wilderness. Verse number 11. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. The second time he's reminded us of this fact, that all of this was written for our example, for our admonition, for our learning, for our knowledge to keep us from falling into the same traps, the traps of idolatry, the traps of complaining, the traps of blaming God for what's going on in our lives. Um, all of these things that Israel did that caused them to fall in the wilderness, Paul is saying, man, these are examples to us. And because we have these examples, we should actually be in a better position, or could be, than they were. Because we know the results of what happened to them. We read of how they fell in the wilderness, of how they failed God in so many areas of their lives. What we should do is take heed, back to verse number 12, which is where we started at, amen, earlier. Amen, verse number 12 says, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Take heed lest you fall. So then the question becomes, can a Christian fall? And if so, what does it look like for a Christian to fall? What does that mean? Is there many that are out there today who would say that a Christian cannot fall let me read you a few verses this morning hebrews chapter number three verse number 12 says this beware brethren underline that word brethren he's not talking to just anybody here in this book he's writing to the hebrews he's writing to the jews but he's writing to those that are in the family of god Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in what? Departing from the living God. Why would Paul give us an 
well, I believe Paul wrote Hebrews, but you may believe somebody else wrote Hebrews. It's, it's, it's up for debate, but I'll say the writer or the author of Hebrews, why would he give us this verse? Why would the Holy Spirit inspire him to write this verse if it were not possible for a brethren to depart from the living God? It's a warning. Take heed, lest you fall. Look at Hebrews chapter number 6, beginning at verse number 4. For it's impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit, verse 5, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, verse number 6, if they fall away to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. Now, those are some heavy verses. But the author of Hebrews says it is impossible for somebody who has once been enlightened, in other words, to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, have tasted the heavenly gift, have become partakers of the Holy Spirit. That doesn't sound like a sinner to me. That sounds like, a, that sounds like somebody who knows who God is, who Jesus is. And verse 5, have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. It is impossible if they fall away. Well, again, why would the author of Hebrews give us a warning about falling away from God if it were possible to do so? It's impossible. Now, I'm going to say that he's talking about a very specific group here. What he is not saying, we'll make sure this is clear, what he is not saying is that it is impossible if somebody departs from the living God, if somebody falls away from God, it is not impossible for that person to return back to God again. It is, however impossible for somebody who turns away from the true knowledge of Jesus Christ, from the true knowledge that Jesus Christ is the only way, the only truth, and the only life, that tries to come to God in some other way than the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins, for somebody to try to come and earn it by their own works or by their own merit, or to come through some type of false religion or some type of false teaching to try to come to God. It is impossible for that person to be reconciled to God as long as their heart is wrong and their heart is not where it should be. If they come back and acknowledge Jesus Christ as the one way, truth, and life, they repent of their sins, I believe God will, will uh, receive them back into the fold again. But Paul, again, the writer, the author of Hebrews, says... In this case, it is impossible for somebody who turns away from the true knowledge of the Word of God to be reconciled because there is no other way. But the truth is that person can fall. i got one more section. Romans chapter number 11, beginning at verse 17. And if some of the branches were broken off, so understand what Paul is talking about here in Romans. He's given an analogy between the Jews and the Gentiles. And the Jews are, uh, uh, are described as, uh, as the original olive tree. That is the, the group of people that God gave the, um, gave the Ten Commandments, the law. He's the one through uh, the nation through which Jesus Christ is going to come. They're the original olive tree, right? So he says if some of the branches, if some of the Jews are broken off. Remember what Jesus said in... in uh, John chapter number 15, he's the vine, we're the branches. Kind of the same idea, right? Jesus is the vine, he's the root, um, and uh, uh, we are simply the branches. And he says, now if you take some of the branches, some of the, some of the Jews that were broken off, and you, being a wild olive tree, in other words, a Gentile, not a Jew, were grafted in among them, and with them became a partaker of the root of that vine, Jesus Christ, and the fatness of the olive tree, verse 18, do not boast against the branches, against the Jews. But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. The source is Jesus Christ, right? Verse number 19. You will say then, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Verse 20. Well said. Because of unbelief, they were broken off. And you stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear. Verse 21. For if God did not spare the natural branches, some of those that we're reading about now, he may not spare you either. Verse number 22. 
Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell. Severity, but towards you, goodness. If you continue in his goodness, otherwise you also will be cut off. Pause there just for a minute. Understand what he's saying here. Consider the goodness and severity of God. On those who fell, it was his severity. It was his wrath. It was his judgment that was poured out upon them because they fell. He said, but toward, but toward, toward you, excuse me, goodness, if you continue in his goodness, otherwise, don't be so haughty. Don't let that pride lift you up and think you're okay and everything's all right. You can just keep doing whatever you're doing and living how you're living and, do, and whatever the case may be, that there's not going to be consequences for that somewhere down the road because you also will be cut off. Verse number 23. And they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. So in other words, don't get, amen, your spiritual head swollen up so big to think that God can't turn that thing back around again and those that he took out and cut off uh, and those that fell if they come back amen into God in belief they come back to God in faith uh, amen don't think that you can't be cut off and I'll graft them back in again that's a powerful word for us to realize ladies and gentlemen the possibility of falling as a Christian is a reality the possibility of allowing the things of this world, whether it be idolatry or whether it be sexual immorality or whether it be any of these sins, any of these things that were given to us as examples of Israel and how they fell, they can happen to us today. So there's a couple warnings for us this morning. Number one, don't get too comfortable. <laughs> don't get too comfortable in your walk with God. Number two, don't give in to lustful desires. The Bible says that all of these things happen. Things happen in our life. Sin comes into our life through temptation. We're all tempted. Sin tempts us every single day, all throughout the day. But the Word of God says that it is not a sin to be tempted. It is a sin when we give in to our lust. And allow that lust to conceive, it brings forth sin. And then that sin, when it is finished, when it is completed, brings forth death, because the wages of sin is death. We read this verse, too, also that says, God won't put more on us than we can bear. And a lot of times we read that verse and we say, well, God, God won't allow things to happen to us beyond what we're able to manage. And that is just simply not true. That is not what that verse says. There may be times where God doesn't put more on us than we can bear. That is, that is true. But what that verse is actually talking about is temptation to sin. Go back and read it. He will not put more on you than you're able to bear. In other words, He won't allow more temptation to sin to come to your life than that that you're willing or able to come against. He said, but I, with the temptation... There's the key to that verse, right? Or those verses. But he said, with the temptation, he will make a way of escape that you will be able to bear it. So we can't point the finger. When we're tempted to sin and we give in to sin, we cannot point the finger of God at God and say, it's your fault because you didn't give me enough willpower. Because the Bible says he won't put more on you than what you can bear. We're tempted when we're given into our own lusts. We allow those things to take over our lives. He, so the warning is here for not to give in to those lustful desires. And then finally, there's a warning for us to make sure we're standing on a solid foundation, and that foundation is Jesus Christ. That foundation is the Word of God. That foundation, can I tell you where it is found? That foundation is found in getting down on your knees in your home when nobody else is looking or watching or knows and praying and talking to God. It's opening up your Bibles in the morning or at night or in the middle of the day or whenever it is. And you're not do it to, doing it to impress your pastor. And you're not doing it to impress your husband or your wife or your mother or your, or your parents. You're not doing it to impress anybody. You're not even doing it to impress God. You're doing it because you love Him. 
You build a solid foundation when you come to church and you get around other believers who believe the same way that you do. You build a solid foundation when you get in Bible study and you start reading, not just reading God's Word, but seeking to understand it. What does it mean and how does it apply to my life? How do I take the words that are on this page and make it real for me? We build a solid foundation when we come into church and we worship. Not because we feel like we're obligated to do so, but because we love Him. And because I got breath in my body this morning. Because He woke me up today. Because He took care of my family, my children who were on the road driving. And, and anything could have happened, amen, while they were out there on the road. But God kept His protected hand upon them. That's enough for me this morning to say thank you, Jesus, uh, for who you are and for what you've done in my life. Amen? Those kind of things are what build a solid foundation in our lives. Now, I want to look at one last section of Scripture and I'm done. 2 Peter chapter number 1, beginning at verse number 5, says this. How do we keep from falling? Okay, but it's on you got my attention. <laughs> we understand there's this possibility we can fall. I don't want to be in, I don't want to get in that situation. I don't want to find myself in that place. But it's only what do we do? Well, this is what the Word of God says. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence. Somebody say diligence. Underline that in your mind. Add to your faith virtue. Right, you started out with faith. That's great. We all have to start with faith. You can't come to God without faith. You can't please God without faith, the Bible says. It all starts with faith, but it doesn't end with just faith. He says, add to your faith virtue. That's morality. That's, that's just good morals. That's just, we talk about in Proverbs chapter, what is it, 31, the virtuous woman there that, you know, she does everything that the family needs. Add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. This is not just any knowledge. This is the knowledge of the Word of God. This is the knowledge of Jesus Christ. This is the knowledge uh, of, of, of the gospel in our lives and continue to grow in those things. Verse 6. And add to knowledge self-control. I don't know about you, but when I hit that one, i got to pump the brakes, and i got to stop there just for a minute. And i got to pray for myself when I read that, because I have a problem sometimes with King James Version. says temperance in one place. Self-control. Not getting out of control. Not getting so angry and so mad and so worked up that I do something, say something that I probably shouldn't do. Nobody else is guilty here. Don't raise your hands. You don't even have to look at me if you don't want to at this point. Amen. I'm just preaching to myself. Y'all don't, don't listen to me. Add to your self-control perseverance. In other words, I like the word stick-to-itness, right? Stick to it. I mean, if you start something, finish it. Uh, if, you, if, if you've started on this journey for Jesus Christ, it's going to take perseverance because there's going to be times and there's going to be days that it would be much easier to give up. It'd be much easier to throw in the towel, like I just did. I mean, it'd be much easier to say, I give up. This is not a white flag, but just picture it in your mind, all right? It's going to take perseverance to walk this Christian walk because there's going to come, become days when you say, I don't want to take another step. Add to your perseverance, godliness, holiness, purity, righteousness, all of those things. Verse number 7. And add to your godliness, brotherly kindness. That's just treating people right. That's doing unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's loving your neighbor as yourself, right? And then finally, add to your brotherly kindness, love. And I think that word love sums up all the rest that we read before it. Because if we got the right kind of love in our hearts, all those other things will take care of themselves. The Bible says love God and love people. That's what it all boils down to at the end of the day. Verse number 8. For if these things are yours if, and abound, if these things are yours and abound. You say, well, i got brotherly kindness, or yeah, I feel like I've got godliness, or you know, self-control. 
keep adding to it. Because I can tell you, you're not perfect. Because none of us are. If these things are yours and abound, you will neither will be neither barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse number nine. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Verse number 10. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Be diligent. There's that word again. I told you to underline it. Underline it in your mind. Be even more diligent to make your calling and election sure. What is your calling and your election? That is your relationship with, that is your salvation. That's your relationship with Jesus Christ. Be diligent to make sure your salvation is sure. Because if you do these things that we just read and talked about, you will not fall and you will not stumble. Amen? Verse number 11, and I'm done. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Stand with me this morning. Hallelujah. Take heed lest you fall. Short sentence. A lot of information. A lot of unpacking of that verse. And we really didn't do it justice in the time we had this morning. Let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Ladies and gentlemen, there is a, a true and a real possibility for us to fall into the traps and the things of this world and the things that this world has to offer that can pull us away from our relationship with God and Jesus Christ. And I've seen people, I've seen way too many people in my lifetime, in my time in the ministry, in my time even when I wasn't saved and I was you know, following mom and dad around as they were ministering. And I, I, I've seen a lot of things in my lifetime. And I've seen a lot of people, you know, who, who looked apart, who could speak in tongues. I'm just going to be real with you this morning. Who could jump pews and, man, they could whip a guitar. I mean, they could sing. They could preach. They could worship. I'm not talking about, I mean, you, wouldn't, you ain't out worshiping this, this, these people. I've seen those same people fall. I've, I've seen those same people no longer attend church, no longer have a relationship with Jesus Christ because they allowed something to get in the way. Something became their idol. Something became their complaint. Something became uh, their, their lust after evil things. And that thing controlled them to the point that it pulled them away from that true relationship with Jesus Christ. And they are not serving him today. I can take you to people right now. I can show you people right now. That's why I preached this message this morning. Because I love you. And I care for you. And I want the best for you. And I don't want to see any of you go down the road that I went down in my life. I'm thankful this morning that I had another opportunity to get on my knees and repent. Because I was one of those who fell. I had the knowledge. I had partaken of the heavenly gift. I had felt the presence of God in my life. And I let the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life become more important to me than my relationship with Jesus Christ. And it so hardened my heart that I couldn't sit in a church service. I couldn't read a Bible. I didn't want to listen to anybody preach a message. 
I'd skip over the radio stations that were praise music. Because I didn't want to hear it. Because every single bit of it was conviction. And a reminder that I didn't take heed. And I fell. I want to ask you this morning. Are you where you need to be at with God? Can I just be real this morning? I'm not going to hold back. Are you where you need to be at with God this morning? Are, some, are there some things in your life that you know if you're not careful, those things could pull you away from your relationship with God? It could come in the way of moving forward in Him. Have you allowed some things in your life to Make your heart a little bit colder and a little bit more hardened against God. Is it harder to worship? Is it harder to pray? Is it harder to read your Bible? Is it harder to live for Him? If you're here this morning, you say, Brother Tony, I, I don't have any of those things going on in my life, but man, I, I, don't, I don't even want to think about what it means to fall. If you're here this morning, and you need Jesus. I can tell you, you don't need Brother Tony. You need Jesus. If you're here this morning, and you say, Brother Tony, I, I want to make sure I don't fall. Would you come to the altar this morning? I'm fixing to pray with these that are here now. But if you need something for him, If you need to turn something over to him this morning, I just ask you, would you please come? Let us help you pray this morning. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. We pray it has been a blessing and encouragement to you. Don't forget you can find out more about our church by visiting our website at farmhillchurch.faithlifesites.com or you can look us up on Facebook. May God bless you and we look forward to seeing you at Farm Hill Church very soon.